Father, that's our prayer, is that we will have hearts and uh, will be resolved in our minds and in our hearts to entertain your presence here today, Lord. That's, that's all that's important. In fact, that's the main thing we've got to do here today. If nothing else gets done except for we entertain your presence, then that's all we get done. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Lord, we, uh, like John the Baptist, we've, we've, you've got to increase in order for us to decrease. And so, Lord, we're praying that you will increase in us so that we can decrease. Increase uh, increase uh, the measure of the spirit that we yield to, of your spirit that we yield to. Increase the measure of our submission to you and to your word. Increase, Lord, our willingness to wait upon you and to, uh, to do whatever it takes to ensure, Lord, that you do all that you desire to do in this place today. Lord, we know that you have a plan for this gathering. We know that we've prepared uh, some things, but God, your, your way above our way, your thoughts above our thoughts. That's, that's what your word says, that your ways are higher, that your thoughts are higher. And so, Lord, it's our desire to fall into alignment with what you want to do here today. And so, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We say, have your way in us. Have your way in this place. Do your work in us, God. Fill us with the Holy Spirit today. And may we leave here uh, filled to overflowing uh, with a greater measure, God, of your Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open to receive. Quicken our minds today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, so that we might understand and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody that believed it said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. amen. Well, how, how has your week been this week? I pray that you all have had a, a great week and that, uh, and that the uh, Lord has been, uh, um, been working with you. Amen. I think I left my reading glass. You got a testimony? Come on, Anna. Come tell your testimony. Well, you don't have to come up here, but... Thank you. Hello. Testing, oh. testing. Hello. Probando, Can everybody probando. hear me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Okay. So, um, as some of you may know, I am going through a divorce. So my income has went down from two to one since December. Um, anyways, I this weekend I sold, I had to sell some stuff in order to make some extra money, so I'm just kind of cleaning stuff out. A lot of you guys got text messages like, hey, you guys want to buy this stuff? Um, anyways, I had a lady that had came to my dad's house, which is mo where most of my stuff is stored, and she was like, hey, why are you, you know, selling your things? They're like brand new. And I didn't really want to get into it with her. I was like, hey, I just need some extra money. Let me know what you want to buy. She was like, okay. Over the weekend, she asked me for my address. I was like, okay, that's, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think anything of it, but I just sent it to her. I come home today, she's with a card in the mail. She said, hey, I just want to let you know that I can't stop thinking about you since the interaction that we had on Saturday. And she sent me a check for $300. Come on, Jesus. And all she bought was a picture frame. <laughs> so I, that I is got, awesome, Anna. I'm like, oh my, checks in the mail. And I was like, I'm so excited. So that's that's my testimony there. Heather, do not sit down. You have to bring up the baby and show him 
Oh, Heather's here with her boy. Yeah. Is he asleep? Oh, no, he's wide awake. Look at him there. Isn't, isn't that great? I'm so glad you're here, Heather. It's so good to see you. Well, listen, Heather, she, she slimmed down already and everything from that, man. Isn't that crazy? Man, listen, there's some dedicated people, I'll tell you. I had, I had my last kid 17 years ago. I still haven't lost that baby weight. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Are you? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I'd ask David, but he's not, he's not here right now. <laughs> uh, praise God. And, and Tyler, he's in the building up stages right now. It's... <laughs> You yeah, missed Ayla, Ayla, Pastor Annie gave Ayla some good advice. She said, I want to tell you this. Remember, you're eating for one. You're not eating for two. I said, I'm eating for two. You can eat for one all day long. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Anna. That, what a great testimony. That's supernatural increase right there. You know, the, the, the favor of God is that way. God will cause people to sow into your hands that you never even, you know, they don't know your circumstances. They don't know what's going on. They, it's just the Spirit of God pestering them. And I know some of you wonder, you know, how would the Lord do that for me? How would he, how is it that he would increase? Let me, first of all, let me tell you this. It's God's will for you to prosper. Oh, yeah. It is God's will for you to, amen. Oh, am I going to have to get out of Scripture? Am I going to have to get out of Bible Scripture? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something, and uh, it's important for you, because the devil will try to, uh, um, the devil will try to mess with you and tell you that uh, God doesn't want you to have nothing, and that's really a spirit of religion. Uh, God, God wants you to prosper. Go, go to third John and, and this, this doesn't have nothing to do with our study tonight, but I want to make sure that you understand this third John, there's only one chapter, so you don't have to, you don't have to hunt around real big. I'm going to, I'm going to show you two verses, maybe three. <clears throat> you there? All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get excited, and then we're going to have to hang out here or something. Um, so First uh, John, um, or Third John, I'm sorry, uh, chapter, chapter whatever, chapter one, only one chapter. Uh, verse two, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And so above how many things he wishes that above all things, say all things. So uh, beloved, I wish above all. Now see, some people will say this. Well, that was just a salutation. That was just a greeting. That's like someone saying um, nowadays saying, hey, what's up? And, you know, in reality, that, that's, that's probably uh, right, but it made it into the Bible for a reason. And so when you look at that, it says that above everything, uh, according to, if, if this is God's word and it made the cut, uh, according to scripture, above all things, 
He wants you to prosper. Now, how many of you know prosperity isn't just financial? But you can't exclude finances from prosperity. You can't eliminate prosperity, uh, finances from prosperity. Prosperity is spirit, soul, and body. It's, it, it involves every aspect and every area of, of one's life. Now, Psalm chapter 35. <laughs> this one ought to make some of y'all shout. Psalm chapter 35. I just want to make sure that y'all get this. And uh, uh, We don't receive, uh, we, we don't go through the whole process of receiving an offering on Wednesday, even though most of you, uh, you know, you're given all the time. Um, that's not what I'm doing right now. I just want to, I want you to hear this and remind yourself to, uh, to, uh, to exalt the Lord and, and to uh, magnify God and shame the devil. Psalm chapter 35, verse 27 says this, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Did you see that? God's pleased when his servants prosper. Isn't that nice? So you know what? You know what, Anna? The Lord is pleased with your prosperity. The Lord got happy when, you, when that lady was obedient and sowed $300 into your life. And so you know what? If God's pleased about it, I'm pleased about it. If the Lord's happy about it, you know what? I'm going to shout for joy and be glad. Amen. Praise God. You know, maybe if some of us shouted for joy more and were glad over some of these things, uh, it may help us to, uh, uh, to enter into our inheritance uh, like we need to. But anyhow, honestly, I know some people say, so are you a prosperity preacher? Well, I'm not a poverty preacher. I, I do believe that God wishes above all things that we be in health and prosper even as our soul prospers. You say, well, what does that mean? That means God's loaded and he wants you loaded. Well, how much, how much does he want us to have? Well, uh, more than enough. And that can be in any measure. You know, uh, Amen. Now, we could go through the Bible, and I could prove every bit of this. And, and then there'll be people that say, well, I can show you where the Bible says different. Um, try. Because I found out that all that stuff that they use to, to try to debunk prosperity, it's nothing but a bunch of just that, bunk. Amen. So, praise God. I'm going to shout for joy and be glad. I favor his righteous cause. I do want you to see that there is a qualification there. We got to favor God's righteous cause. And uh, so in order for our hearts to remain right before the Lord when it comes to finances, we have to put God first in every area of our lives. If you don't put God first in every area of your life, you're going to get off course and you're going to end up loving money more than you love Jesus. And that's not good. God, God would rather have you poor and go to heaven than, uh, uh, than uh, rich and go to hell. All right. Praise the Lord. We've been talking about the minist gifts and ministry. Hey, Papa, is it Papa, Poppy? Popo? Papa, Papa, not Popo. He like, I ain't Popo. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's the police. That's the police. <laughs> so we've been talking about the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at a, let's look at a couple of verses here. Uh, just to reacquaint ourselves with this, because we've been uh, we've been we've been talking about the anointing. Last week I spent all of our time answering questions uh, that we had concerning, um, you know, uh, the anointing uh, Sunday. I've been ta I've been talking about, and I'm going to continue to share about this. And we're we're almost really there 
to, to, to me making uh, most of the points that I've been trying to make concerning how, and listen, this imp it's important that you to understand that if, if you're, um, your associations are extremely important to uh, how the anointing will work in your life. In, in other words, God could, can anoint you, but if you are associated with uh, the wrong people, if you're connected with the wrong kind of people, it will impact and have, a, and have a, an effect on the anointing in your life. Just like uh, your association with people can cause the anointing to uh, flow more freely through your life and increase, it's possible for you to connect with people and the anointing decrease in your life and, and you never reach the fullness of the measure of the anointing that God intended for you to walk under. And like, um, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, Sheree went this week, past week to a, um, to a conference. What was that conference called again? Light the fire again. So uh, Daniel Kalenda, I think, put it on. It's the last one, right? So it's, you know, might be, the, might be the last one, but there was, she said this year, and I could tell by looking at the pictures, crowds were down this year over what they were last year, but you know what? That's not a, that's not necessarily a bad thing. See, some people don't understand that there are some people you ought to be associating with, and then there are some people you shouldn't be associating with. There are some people you ought to be connecting with, and there are some people you shouldn't be. Now, how many of you know that if you're trying to receive a healing in your body, you shouldn't be hanging around people that don't believe in healing? That's not, a, that's not a conducive environment for the anointing of healing to function. And so if you, you want to receive a healing supernaturally, you want to get around people that believe in divine healing and divine health and divine wholeness. Now, if you're like, well, people are flaky. Yeah, but you're dying. If you have stage four cancer and the doctors have given up on you, you know what? I'd go and hang around a bunch of crazy people that believe in divine healing and wholeness. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's, a, there's a good possibility it may activate your faith and cause the anointing of God to work on your behalf, and you may receive a manifestation of healing. Now, there are some people who said, I've never seen a miracle. Uh, that doesn't mean it, they don't happen. Just because you've never seen it, you know, doesn't mean it don't. You've never seen the inside of a casket either, but I guarantee it exists. <clears throat> some of you, all, you've, uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Some of you, some of you, <laughs> some of you've never gotten the perspective of those laying in there, but I'm going to tell you right now, you will, I promise. <laughs> and, but uh, we've, we've got to, we've got to understand that just because we've not experienced some of these things, we're living in a strange time. And just because we haven't experienced some of these things doesn't mean they don't happen. I've seen God do uh, some of the most incredible miracles, and I, I believe that God's going to do a greater in the days to come. So uh, we can't just go anywhere we want to. When, when, uh, when God uh, calls you and he anoints you and he sets you apart for his purpose, and all of us have, a, all of us have an anointing, all of us have a function. We, we talked about that. Um, go to Ephesians. We'll read that. Um, one, of our, uh, one of the scriptures that we are extremely familiar with here at uh, Winter's Church, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 <clears throat> Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 1. And I'm, let's read it in the, uh, we'll read it in the English Standard Version. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, talking about himself, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. 
He's talking to the church at Ephesus. You know, he's not talking to the lost here. This, this letter was written to the church. So Paul, when he wrote this, he's writing it to the church. I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you. <clears throat> listen, listen, folks. We've got to quit thinking that all of these things apply to everybody. These things apply to the church. You say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God love everybody? Yeah, God loves everybody. But if you're not born again, some of this stuff don't apply to you. You know what? The world, they can't walk worthy of their calling. They can't, they can't even say no to drugs. You know what I'm saying? They, they, can't, they can't do <clears throat> things that, are, you know, that, that the believer has the authority and the power to do because they refuse to submit to the lordship of Jesus. So when you think on these things, you have to think on them in the context in which they were written. These promises are for you. Turn to someone and say, these promises are for you. <clears throat> so, uh, amen. amen. You know what some people say? Well, I'm not special. No, you're, spe you're special. No, you're not special in that you ride the short bus. That's not what I'm talking about. You're special. You're special because of the favor of God is on you. And the favor of God is on you because you're born again. Because God's spirit lives on the inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy that makes, that makes That makes things possible for you that's not possible for the, for the unbeliever. Now, if the unbeliever gets born again and gets filled with the spirit, then it becomes possible for them. But there's some things that are impossible for the unbeliever that are only possible for the believer. Do y'all get that? And we, we have to remember that because the world is working to try to eliminate that kind of thinking. Well, we're all God's kids. No, we're not all God's kids. Jesus, in fact, Jesus looked at a group of people and he said, you're of your father, the devil. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. He didn't say they were God's kids. He said they were the children of the devil. What made them the children of the devil? Well, he said their sin and their lies. He said, your father's a liar and you're a liar just like him. I'm going to tell you right now, my daddy ain't the devil. So me and them people, we're not related. Now, if they get born again, then we have the same father. Are y'all hearing this today? Now, now, you know what? Some of you, because of the political correctness and, and because of what you, you know, you came through school and, and whatever year you, you came through school has, has an impact and has an effect on how you feel and, and the people that you hang around with, how politically correct they are and how they want to, you know, be uh, uh, inclusive and, and want to make, you know, everyone feel comfortable. Listen, I'm sorry. I didn't write the Bible. But we, we can do our best to follow it. And I'm not going to go around to the world and say, your, dad, your, your, your daddy ain't my daddy, and you know you don't have it. Boy, you ain't got no rights. You ain't got no process. It sucks to be you. We're not going to do that. Unless the Lord leads us to do something you know, to that effect. He might, he might very well lead us to, that may jolt someone into Christianity. But it's important that you understand that there's something that's true about you that's not true about others. And so you've got to grab these promises as your own. This is, this is for you. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Every one of you have been called. And every one of you have to walk in a manner that will facilitate that calling. You know what that means? That means that there are some people that even though you want to associate with them, you cannot associate with them. Because they will not facilitate, they will not facilitate 
an environment and a, and a culture that will cultivate the anointing in your life. Did I tell y'all what I did? I t- I'll tell this again just for those that didn't hear it. <clears throat> I preached the funeral of a girl that I grew up with. Um, we, uh, we moved to Oklahoma when I was 12, and we moved onto a street where there were other kids my age. I grew up with a girl named Binky McClellan. And Binky was just, she's Native American. I thought she was Mexican at first. She was Native. Uh, I just assumed she was, you know, Hispanic because she was brown-skinned. And uh, coming from an area of the nation where people, all people that were brown-skinned were, uh, were Hispanic, I just made the assumption, found out she was Native American. And uh, first, for, in fact, first Indian I ever met, Talisha, first Native American. And I felt honored. I, you know, I, I, honestly, I was like, where are the feathers? That's, that's what I, I was like. Where, you know, don't you dress up like that every day? She's like, you're an idiot. But anyway, um, she, she passed away, died of cancer. And uh, we, went, we, went, we went to school together. We grew up four years of the most formative years of my life. Three or four years I spent in friendship with this, with this person. So I go to the funeral. When I get to the funeral, there are people there that I haven't seen since the seventh grade. But all people that, that were, you know, a part of our friend group. Now, you know, those people love me. They, they see me on Facebook. They keep up with me on Facebook. But when I showed up, when I showed up over there um, at this funeral, and anytime I show up, oh, did he already get kicked out already? I know he didn't get kicked out already. No, Josiah, don't do it, brother. <laughs> not today, not today. <laughs> I'm like, boy, that's awfully quick. <laughs> um, th- those, those folks that, that, I, that I saw at this reunion, they love me and, and all that, but they realize there's something different about me that didn't exist when, when, when I knew them. There's something in me working in my life that wasn't there. Now, they think I'm religious. That's what, that, in their minds, they're like, well, he, he got religion. He's religious now. You know, now that you're religious, now that you're church going. And, um, you know, Binky wasn't a church goer. She was a partier. In fact, if it had been my funeral, she'd have, she'd have planned where they were all going to go drink afterwards and party in celebration of my life. And so, you know, but they don't want to say that around me no more. Because they're like, you can't say that around Zig. He's religious now. And you don't say that because, you know, he might, he might condemn us all to hell. In fact, that was one of the things they asked me to do. They said, can you please not try to give an altar call during this funeral? Because that's not the type of person that she was. And, um, and it's, it, it would be off-putting, I think, to her family. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever given an altar call in a, at a funeral. Um, not because I'm against altar calls at funeral, funerals or anywhere else. I believe in uh, presenting the gospel to people and giving them the opportunity to get born again. But I've never felt like it was, I never felt like that uh, any decisions made at a funeral were really heartfelt as much as they were made, decisions made out of fear of death and fear of, of the unknown. And God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. That's not what, con- conviction don't make us afraid that we're going to hell. Conviction, conviction makes us aware that we're going to hell. Oh, yeah. And so repentance doesn't come for fear of where we're going to spend eternity. Repentance comes because 
of a revelation that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, that there's a savior and his name is Jesus and he paid the price to reconcile man unto himself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that's, that's a lot of the reason why I don't think I've given altar calls. If you, but I looked at him and I said, listen, don't, don't sweat it. You know, I told him, I'm the same, per- I really am the same person, you know, in the, na- I'm the same, per- I, I still have the same thoughts, the same memories. We still share that same part of our lives. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get them to relax. I'm trying to get them to, you know, their stress level to go down, for them to not be afraid that I'm going to get all, they really believe I'm going to get up there and be like, you know, have you, did you look in that coffin? You're next, bless God. And if you don't repent, you know, that, that's, that's, that's really how they, you know, how they imagine probably that I am. And so I'm trying to disarm them in order to minister to them. So we have the funeral. Anyway, I'm, try, I'm trying to make this short. We have the funeral. And I have every intention of going to a Binky's house to her husband with her husband and her family and all of these friends that I that I know to go to their house and have dinner with them, and you know uh, just a you know how they do, how you do after a funeral, and um, that I, w- I was an invited guest. You know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would have gone and the beer would have stayed put away until I left. The, the whiskey would have been put away until I was gone. They, if cigarettes were smoked, they would have gone to the other part of the, of the yard because that's how they do every time I come around. They don't cuss. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They act like they're holy people. They forget that we are Facebook friends <laughs> and that I see their posts regularly. So while I'm standing there, I'm about to go and, and, and tell them, you know, get the address and tell them that I'll, I'm going to head that way. But when I go to do it, the Lord says, no. Now, here's the thing. What, what's, here's the process we go through. Well, there's nothing wrong with me hanging out with these people. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. Because honestly, there was nothing wrong with me doing it other than the Lord said, uh-uh. I wasn't going to get into sin because I went over there. I wasn't going to drink. Now, if there was some beer on the fajitas, you know, I mean, it, the alcohol would have already been cooked out of it. You know, I, I, can't, I can't help that. But, but I'm not going to eat fajitas trying to get drunk or it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm going I'm to go and be like, well, these fajitas sure make me thirsty for something other than water. <laughs> you know, there, there was no danger of me falling back into sin or or anything like that. Not nothing like that. But you know, you know what it was? The Lord said, the Lord, the Lord told me, He said, if you go over there, it'll affect how they see you, and it'll affect uh, how you the gift that I put on your life will influence them. They don't need for you to be that friend no more. They don't need for you to you you can't keep trying to get them to relate to you in that way. You have to let them relate to you in a way that will allow my spirit to be more effective in their lives through you. Are y'all hearing me? And so you know what? Then there's a responsibility on, on, that's what that scripture means when it says walk worthy of the calling. We got no business going and being around people God don't want us being around. Now you say, well, they need Jesus. God has plenty of people he can send to them so they can receive Jesus. You're not the only one that can reach him. Well, what will they think? Well, they'll, they'll think about you in the way that God intends for them to think about you, in the way they need to think about you. 
You know what? My grand, I hated my grandmother. The grandmother that, that prayed for me and ended up forcing me to go to church where I got born again. Before I got born again, I hated her guts. In fact, I told her to her face. My, my poor grandmother. I cussed her out, man. I told her to her face. I hate your guts. She's like, and she would always pester me. Are you smoking? You know, she's a Puerto Rican lady. Are you smoking? I'm minding none of your business. I wouldn't say it quite that nice, but, you know, I was like, so what if I am? And she wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid to swing that cane at me. And she, and she yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't afraid, boy. She wasn't afraid. And, and, uh, but, I hated, I hated her. You know what? It, it, God, it, God wasn't trying to get me to love my grandma. God was, God was using my grandmother to do whatever it took to put me in a position where I could receive what he intended for me to get. And if that meant that I hated her for a period of time, then so be it. Of course, after I got born again and I got saved, there wasn't a person on this planet that I, lo that I loved more than my grandmother and still love her today. You understand? But see, sometimes we don't understand. You know, we, we talk about, we talk to the Lord and we say, God, use me. And then God uses us. And when he uses us, we're like, man, I feel used. Well, you said use me. You said use me. You know, sometimes God will use you and he'll make you feel used. <laughs> I had a, I had a guy that, I had a guy that, uh, that uh, he was, he was, uh, um, anyway, yeah, I'm not going to tell that because I've told it and I think, I, I don't know why I feel the need to, to hit these things again, but anyway, so do y'all, do y'all get that? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? You, you've, you've got to, uh, it's not, it's not that you think you're, you got to quit letting the devil tell you, but you think you're better than they are. Because he'll, he'll use that. He'll, he'll, try to get you, he'll try to get you to thinking that your heart is wrong for wanting to follow the Lord in the associations that God wants you to have. Well, who do you think you are? You think you're so special that you can't hang around them? That's the stuff he'll try to, he'll try to pull on you. And so that's why you've got to be yielded to the Spirit. Listen, folks, I'm not, I'm not telling y'all how to live your lives here. I'm what I'm uh, uh, I should put that a different way. I'm not telling you who you should associate with and who you shouldn't associate with. What I'm telling you is that you ought to be led by the Spirit in the associations that you have. Because, because we got people sitting in church. There are people that are powerfully anointed of God gifted by God to do ministry, to influence this generation that are sitting in churches that have stifled that anointing and kept those people ineffective and sidelined and uh, not a part of the equation of what God wants to do in these last days. Essentially, the enemy has sidelined them by putting them in associations that will not allow the anointing to function in the fullness of its flow in their life. And, and, and then he persuades those people that they're doing the right thing. Well, where would, this, where, would this, where, would these, where would these people be without you? Well, you know what? They might be a lot better off without you than they are with you. You may be the one that's hindering them from their breakthrough. Because you're not where... You, 
You know, all them birthday parties you've been going to on Sunday so that you don't alienate your family, that the very effect of what you're doing may be alienating your family. The fact that you show up on a Sunday might be, might be doing more harm than good. And you think you're being a good, well, I got to set a good example. I don't want them to think, you know, that they're not important. Well, there are other ways. There are other ways to make your family believe that they're important than skipping church. Than skipping the relationship that you need to develop with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Again, there, there are times, and I, there, I was in revival, my grandmother died. I was in revival, in the middle of revival, my grandmother died, and I was like, it's unfortunate that she died during revival because I have to be obedient to the Lord. And I knew, listen, I knew that my grandmother, if she had been alive and, and she, or if she had been able to talk to me when she died, she'd have told me, don't quit this revival because I'm dead. If you're going to honor my legacy, if you're going to honor me, you need to be preaching on the day of my funeral and trying to get people born again. So I was determined that we were not going to end revival meetings to go to my grandmother's funeral. Until the Lord said, you need to get to your grandmother's funeral. And so I did. Amen. Are y'all hearing this today? Do y'all have a question about that? <laughs> anyway, yes, tell me. Here comes, here comes uh, the microphone, Carolyn. I think you hit on some uh, core, core points of some of the things that I've been going through. Um, but now that you have these relationships, I feel like even though I've been praying for some to be severed, like there's been some distance, but it's still that influence you know, of the undesirable relationships. And I do, I feel, I, I, I have a hard time just dismantling them. And um, I don't really know how. Like, well, it's, it's hard because what we have to do is we have to make a decision that, um, for, for example, during COVID, you know, um, my family was, meet, was wanting to meet for, um, on 2020, they were talking about getting together for Thanksgiving. And I had been traveling from here to Timbuktu. I had laid my hands on everybody, and then some people didn't want hands laid on them. You know, everybody wanted hands laid on them. I laid hands on them. Some people that didn't. And without a mask, without gloves, without a hazmat suit, I was out doing ministry in the in the uh, uh, at the at the peak of COVID. And so my my sister, my dad called me. He said, "What are we going to do for Thanksgiving?" He said, "Because you know, I'm not sure we should get together." And I said, well, I'll call my sister. I called Tyler's mother. When I called my sister, she said, oh, there's, there's no way I'm getting together for Thanksgiving with y'all. I said, well, I mean, I, that's cool. I mean, I understand. She said, now, she said, if you'd just stay away from everybody, but you've been everywhere and I've been seeing you on Facebook. And she said, I don't want my grand, I don't want to get around my grandkids and be, you know, th that whole you know, get, try to guilt trip you into thinking that you're putting everybody at risk and that you're killing people and all this stuff, that the same stuff the government tried to use on us. And so 
Um, so I said, I, I understand that. I said, but you have to understand this. I haven't changed where I stand. I've always been willing to die for the gospel. I've always been willing to do whatever I'm supposed to do to fulfill my call. Is there a chance I could get COVID? Yes. Was there a possibility of death? Yes, although it was very small. Yes, there's a possibility of death. Heck, there's a possibility you're going to die if you get the flu. I don't know if you realize that or not, but mm -hmm. pneumonia. So I've had people walk in here, they say, well, Pastor, I figured out why I'm coughing. I have pneumonia. There's a pastor down the street died of pneumonia just a couple months ago. You can die of pneumonia. 20, 29. He wasn't even 30 yet. He's 20. Well, not even a month. He was going to be 30. So, you know, dude's 29 years old, died of pneumonia. You know, well, anyway, you get the picture. Um, this is the only way we've, the, the only thing we've been, uh, that, that a lot of people got their drawers in a bunch over was this um, COVID. You know, cheeseburgers are killing more people than COVID did. <laughs> Donuts are killing more people than COVID. Somebody ought to be slapping the cheeseburgers out of Ted's face. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but I told her, I said, I just want you to know something. My stance hasn't changed. I have never thought any different. I've always been willing to suffer whatever I'm going to suffer, to, 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 to endure whatever I'm going to endure, to do what God called me to do. And if that means we never have a Thanksgiving together again, then so be it. I just want you to know that I love you, but I'm going to do what God told me to do. And I, you, I said, I was that way in the beginning and y'all didn't like it in the beginning. And now y'all are realizing that I'm that way right now. And it's, it's just a reminder of something that I, you know, I, well, when are you going to drink the Kool-Aid? I drank it already. 1984, when I got born again. I surrendered my heart to the Lordship of Jesus. When nobody was there, he was there. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. My life is not my own. Oh, yeah. If it hadn't have been for him, I would have nothing. That's right. And so I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to do it. And, and you know what? I'll send you a card every now and again. I'll ring you up every now and again. But if you don't want me to see you, it's unfortunate, but so be it. I just want you to realize, I just want you to know, I will not bow. I will not bend. I will not quit. I will not be moved. I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of God. Amen. And I refuse to lose. I am unshakable. I'm a threat to the devil. Amen. You understand? And the, the re and listen, we've got to get back to understanding that the reason why that there is such an opposition to that mindset is not because it's a, not because there have been cults that, that led people astray or whatever. Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now. You know, some people some someone told me one time they said, Well, they someone they said they thought a winner's church was a cult because, you know, I was so excited about being there. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if this was a cult, we'd already have control of your bank accounts and, and we'd already have all your houses sold off. We'd already have bought a piece of property. We'd already all, all would already be living on it. You understand what I'm saying? That, I don't know if you understand what a cult is. Then people control your life. People control you. What, what am I telling y'all to do? Follow the Spirit. 
Follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Be obedient to the Lord. Be faithful and do what God tells you. You know what? Sometimes God is going to tell you to back off. Sometimes he's going to tell you to run forward. Sometimes he's going to tell you, cut that off. Sometimes he's going to say, get in closer. You have to follow the Lord every day. Amen. And so, so here's the thing. When, when, I got, when I got born again, they were showing us films about the last days and the end times. And, you know, the Bible talks about how in the end times, if you choose to serve God in the end times and you're still here after, or what some people consider to be after the rapture, then some, some people, the only way you're going to make it through the rapture is to have your head cut off. Of course, they always showed guillotines cutting people's heads off in these films, scare the water out of you. you you'd leave the church and leave a little puddle of pee in your chair. You know, um, you're like, my God, I may have to die. For but I thank God that they instilled that in us. Of course, when I saw how they really do it in, in you know, in those, in those Eastern countries, they don't, they don't do it quite so quick. It's not as fast sometimes as we like to think. Sometimes they take a dull blade and they saw at your neck and, and uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty nasty. But anyhow, but when I saw that, I was like, you know, I kind of like the guillotine. You know what I'm saying? You know, if it's going to happen, let it happen quick. But y'all, y'all have heard me tell the stories of, of that fellow they tried to martyr. They hung him to a cross. They, they, tried to, they tried to hang him that cross. He didn't die fast enough, so they burned him. And then he, he didn't die then. But, <clears throat> but anyhow, um, but what, we, what we've got to do is we've, we've just got to, how we do it is that we just make the decision to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. You know, you know what people are going to say? You know, you're, you're, too, that's, you're, you're just going way off. Mm, yeah, amen, I'm radical. Don't, I'm, I don't want anyone to think otherwise. I'm, I'm radical. I'm radically saved. Okay. I'm radically saved. There's nothing more important to me than Jesus. Oh, you're a Trumper. No, no. The most important thing to them was Trump. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a Christian. Oh, oh so you're racist. You're a homosexual hater. You don't like transgenders. No, see, those are all lies that the enemy has tried to perpetrate against believers so that we'll compromise on our commitment to the Lord, so that we'll be inclusive and, 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 and lower our standards. Y'all hearing me? So we'll lower our standards and not talk as wild as the Bible teaches, thinking that that's going to make what we're doing acceptable. I'm going to tell you something right now. The church, when, when, when th- you know, things got bad with COVID, but th- I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Bible says worse is coming. And when, and when worse comes, people aren't going to be looking for people that compromised on what they stood for. People aren't going to be going to them. Peop- In fact, that's why people are, there's max exoduses out of churches. Uh, uh, boy, I, I was watching the other day and some people that were in secret sensitive churches had been in secret sensitive churches, got on and talked about how that the secret, this, this, this is going around now, how that as long as your church is seeker sensitive, you can never be a pure church. It's impossible. 
It's impossible for you, if you attend a seeker-sensitive church, to do the things that the Bible talks about when it comes to holy living. Because those kinds of churches don't, they, the, the culture of those churches don't teach those things. Don't encourage those things. They encourage stuff that's more politically correct. They teach things that are less abrasive. Listen, I got some of y'all uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about basic Bible truths. Things that in another generation, they'd have looked at me and said, why are you talking about, we know all that. And now here we are just a generation away from people that were that dedicated, and we're, we're uncomfortable. Well, is that right? I wonder if that's right. Oh, should have read your Bible. Amen. Now, I know you, you say, what does that have to do with the anointing? Why do you think there are less people anointed now than there were before? Because of the compromise. Because of the unwillingness of God's people to hold up those, those uh, basic truths of the Word of God. Those ones that are, you know what, the easy ones, the easy ones are easy. And the hard ones are hard. And the hard ones are when God tells you, when God looks at you and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you more than I blessed anyone on this earth. First step is leave your hometown. Get out of your daddy's house. Get away from your kin folks. You know, that's the Bible. You know, that's what God told Abraham. I'm going to bless you, but the prerequisite is... Leave your land, leave your daddy's house, leave your kinfolks, get away from what you're familiar with and accustomed to, and follow me. Hey, and on your way, take your son up on that mountain and kill him. That's right. Yeah. Oh, talk about that now. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. Listen, hopefully you know God's not going to ask us the, you know, anything that nuts. That was, that, that was an example. That he, and of course, he, he, he told Abraham that, but the, the lesson for Abraham was, I'm your supplier. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. It's going like to look like you're going to die because I asked you for something that you didn't want to give. But in the middle of it, I'm going to supply and I'm going to provide and you're going to rejoice and everything's going to be all. Amen. That might be why that, where that song came from. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling. Amen. So you, you just walk it out. And it's hard, it's hard to walk out depending on the depth of the relationship. The hardest thing in the world is when you have people that are family, that, that you know good and well that... that some of the uh, some of the people. My dad was one of those people for me. You know, my dad. I love him, and he, he he's and y'all love him too. He's such a wonderful person. He's he's uh, he's honoring as I'll get out. But he thought I was crazy. He probably still does. He thought I was nuts. He thought I had lost my mind. He begged me not to go to church anymore. He begged me not to go to church he, for fear that I was going crazy. And 
Thank you, Debbie. I'll, ne I'll never forget it. He cried begging me not to go to church. He said, these people, they don't like you. They're, they're take, they don't like you. You go to church. You come home from church more, more depressed than when you went because they're not encouraging what you feel like you know, God is telling you. And he says, I'm not sure God's telling you anything. He says, you know, people that hear voices are in insane asylums. He's still saying stuff like, he says that to Ayla now that she's a part of the family. You know, Ayla... Uh, Oh, he says it to Tyler. He's not bold enough to say it. Ayla, yeah, he just looks at Ayla and says, I'm just kidding. But anyhow, there's a, there's a hint of truth to what he's, to, you know, there's, he, he might say he's kidding, but there's something, he secretly believes we're nuts. And if he thinks I'm nuts, you know good and well he thinks y'all are nuts. But he don't think we're so crazy that he doesn't want. <laughs> he knows enough about association that he doesn't want to come and associate with us too much for fear that he might knock some of y'all off track. Has no idea that he don't have that kind of influence. Has no idea that it'd probably be the other way around. And that's why the devil keep lying to him. But anyhow, my dad, he didn't, man, he, he, he was afraid. And don't you know that the enemy tried to use that to get me off course and to get me to, to turn away from what I felt, the commitment I felt like God was having me to make to him? Church, I know that it's hard for, it's hard for people to hear this. When my, when, my, when my daughter began to get old enough where she was, you know, she's 16. When, when she turned 16, I thought this, when I went into ministry, I was 16 years old. I, I, I quit school. I quit school at 16 years old to go into the ministry without my dad's approval, without my dad's permission. I didn't even ask him. I came home with a withdrawal slip and said, I dropped out today. My, my dad just immediately started taking stuff from me. Give me the keys. You know, I'm surprised he didn't take the bed out of my room. He just, he took everything. He said, you, you going to do that? Be on your own? He said, you will be on your own. You can stay in this house for a while. You start earning money, you're going to give me money. But now you pay for every, you pay for everything. When, when my kid was 16 years old, because I was so radical in my pursuit of the Lord, I had to start considering, what if the Lord talks to my kid that way? See, it's all good when we're making the decisions, but when we got people around us that's a... Go ahead, man. You ever notice when I get serious with y'all, I move that thing out of the way? <laughs> Think about it. Go ahead, man. Think about your girls rolling up to you and being like, Dad, Lord says I'm done with school, got to go into ministry, and they're 16 years old. When my daughter turned 16, now I realize why my dad thought I was crazy. Because I'm looking at my girl and I'm like, this girl can't even, she can't even balance a checkbook. Go ahead, man. She came home with foggy windows like, man, dad, the windows are all foggy. How do you drive with foggy windows? You see that button right there, defrost? 
push it. It's like a miracle to her. <gasps> wow. Wow. For, you, know, you should have seen her first time she drove a car without power windows. I put her in that Firebird. She's like, where's the button to roll down the windows? I said, you see that big thing right there? <laughs> I said, that's the button. She's pushing on it. She's <laughs> I said, no, you got to move it. It's manual. It's manual. You got. She's like, oh, this old-fashioned. That's what she said. She said, this is old-fashioned, Dad. I said, yeah, you got old-fashioned. I said, boy, yeah. I said, it had really been old-fashioned if whenever you, you turned on the radio, you had to go out. Remember, remember them cars that, that, uh, you know, that the common people had? You turn, when, you, when you turn your radio on, you had to go outside of the car and pull up on the antenna? <laughs> See, some of y'all some of never saw a car like that. But I remember... <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, only you, Ted. That wasn't everybody else. Ted says, and I put a clothes hanger and some foil on mine. <laughs> it did. Ted rolled it in a car then. <laughs> UFO detection. You know, it's my son. What? What? You know? What? What if he really came to me, Dad? I got a revelation. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to quit school, and I'm supposed to go into the ministry, and, and uh, you're supposed to support it. <laughs> so looking back on, on how I did, I mean, come on, y'all. Are, are you, you know you're going, if, God, if God gives you a gift and he puts something in you to do, you're probably going to have to be, if, especially if it's something that's not prominent, you're probably going to have to be more radical than everybody else is to push it through. Oh, yeah. You're probably going to have to be more uh, committed to it than, and 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 when you are, people aren't going to see that. Many people aren't going to see that as a positive thing. The fact that most of us haven't really had to put up with a whole lot of resistance just shows either the lack of our communicating what it is that God has said to us or our lack of commitment to it. Go ahead now. Amen. I know some of y'all like, Pastor, why are you talking this way? Because God's about to turn his focus to a, a lost and dying world. Right. All these people that have been in church, that have come every Sunday and felt like God's eyes were on them, that's about to change big time. God's about to turn his attention to a lost and dying world. And there are a bunch of... There are a bunch of spoiled, preemie baby, high-maintenance, no-impact Christians Heck, if people don't get as many likes as they want on Facebook, they're, they're questioning who they are. Anna posts something everybody likes that I post and nobody even says nothing. You know, I've heard people say stuff like that. But you just, you know, yeah, our church is cliquish because everybody at church click on Anna's post, but they don't click on my post. 
Oh, boy. I, this is what I can tell I'm in there because y'all. <laughs> I know I'm, a, I'm not going to name any names. I'm just going to go on. But <laughs> when God turns his attention to this lost world, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to, if you're not committed to the Lord, if you, if you haven't yet realized that you're living on borrowed time, that all the time you have, you have because he gave it to you. That the song, I give myself away, wasn't just, you know, birthed out of prayer. That's actually the word of God. My life is not my own. Amen. Look at me. See, some of you struggling in your life and you still waiting for God to turn his attention towards your troubles. There's coming a time when you're really going to feel like he's turned away. And right now he's looking. So we've got to be about committing to, listen, that, that means if I, you know, the old timers used to sing it. If I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. And of course, they, that's, that's a, a, I'm not saying y'all are going to have to die. Necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hear me. All right. Uh, see, I'm, I'm even hesitant the way I say it because I know somebody's going to listen to this. I'm going to get an email. Someone's going to listen to this and I'm going to get anywhere. You know why? Because they're so carnal, they don't hear what I'm saying. I don't know, man. I'm concerned about where you're headed, talking about if I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. Well, if you'd get in the spirit, you'd know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't be so scared. Amen. Did that answer your question, Carolyn? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. No, no, he don't. He ain't doing that part. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just something. I'm like, Lord, you do it. Can't do it. Like, no, you gotta do it. Yeah, it's something you gotta and, do. Yeah, and I'm getting to the point where I mean, it's weaning, obviously, but since we've been talking about, I mean, about the anointing, I think it was the message about living ready. Live ready. Was like, man, and I had that was one of the prayers of why the anointing isn't working, and so now we're here talking about it. Like. Well, I mean, it's probably. Oh, never mind. But anyway. <laughs> I only got to this one little part, but um, did so, did someone else, I thought someone else had a question. Was Sheree, Sheree? You don't have a question? I had two things happen today, though, that prove your point. And, and even I was talking to Joe earlier today. And I was telling him how being in Florida and even being around all these evangelists and, you know, people I love to be around, like there's <clears> just such a difference between being around those people, even that are in some of the things, same 
you know, that have the same heart, that have the same, all these things, but still there's so much more significance um, when it comes to the people that God has you with. Like even being there, like I was missing my people, you know, because I'm around these awesome people, meeting new people, but I'm like, there's still something about my people though that these people don't carry. And so I just, I just thought that, because Joe was like, I've seen you like the beach. Are you thinking about moving to Florida? I'm like, bro, I can't move to Florida because of my people aren't in Florida, you know? But, um, but two things today that happened, um, there was a lady that was interested in doing outreach and I was, I was helping her <clears throat> because at her church, she wanted to start an outreach team, praying for the sick, healing the sick and evangelism. And she came on my heart today and I texted her and I was like, hey, I was thinking about you. You know, how's it going? You know, how's the team that you're trying to build? How's it going with starting this team? And she's like, I got invited to the missions board at church and we're going to do some homeless ministry. And I'm just like, my heart sank like, wow. You know, like from listening to somebody share their heart when the Lord was speaking to them and then to see how the church tries to put them in another place in their agenda, but not really what the Lord said, you know, and that goes along with what you're talking about. And then another thing was that this minister reached out um, and was talking about how, you know, they didn't have the funds to do something that they committed to, which was already, you know, pretty much decided, but that that's the kind of associations they have though. And seeing that that's, you know, how significant it is to be with who God's called you to be. And just knowing that whatever that person carries or what that ministry carries that God's called you to associate with, that that's, that's what you're going to have in your life and how significant <clears throat> that is. And definitely to know that um, you're where God wants you and to stay committed to that and to keep following him in that and um yeah that's all i had to yeah, say yeah i mean don't mean that everybody else is wrong right you know, that's the thing is you gotta can't think everybody else is wrong but you 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 is god you have to determine don't let anybody do that for you you by this you and the holy ghost okay. have to determine Boy, that's right. some of you get around people and you'll be like I feel like the Lord brought me here, but man, I don't want to stay here. That will have nothing to do with what you want to do. It has to do with what, what the Lord said for you. Right. you know, there's some times that you want to be where God put you, and then there's some times you don't want to be where he put you. you know, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'm sure that's not where Jesus wanted to be, but that's where the Spirit of God led him to. And he had to be obedient and go to that place. And as long as he was obedient, did the will of God, it was all good. But that's what he needed. Amen. Um, and then when the spirit led him out of the wilderness, <laughs> oh, happy day. <laughs> oh, happy day. Praise the Lord. So um, I therefore the prison of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling uh, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of that uh, belongs to your call, of uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who is also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And then here are the ministries he gave. And he gave some apostles, or he gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, be, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint uh, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Great, great scripture. So these are, these are the things that, uh, uh, these are the ministries of the Spirit and why uh, he wants us uh, to work in them. And uh, um, very, very different. You know, things are very different now than they have been. And I, pr I pray that these aren't things that will startle you too much. I don't think I've ever had a difficulty talking about these things as much as I have in recent times, for because the way it sounds, it sounds so, it sounds so radical, and uh, so different. But <clears throat> my God, now First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, and uh, I at least want to try to get through this. And uh, we've got a few more minutes, so I think this will help us. Uh, now, uh, verse one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were pagans. When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, uh, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking uh, in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed. Uh, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Say this with me. Varieties of gifts. But the, same spirit. but the same spirit. So what, is that, what does that insinuate? Well, there's lots of different manifestations or gifts of the Spirit. What is it? Uh, there are lots of ways that the Spirit displays Himself, but it's the same Holy Spirit. So even though we're, y'all are a part of a ministry, our ministry is a revival ministry. And revival ministry is going to be marked with... Uh, signs and wonders and demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. And I functioned in a prophetic office, so we've seen that manifested. <clears throat> now, there are some people, there are some people uh, that um, God called them to, to train up ministers and ministry. Paul Trochel, you know, was one of them people. Uh, Paul Trochel, he's got a different, there's a different thing on his life. You know what? Some of you are going to find that God's called you to something more like what is on Paul Trokel's life than what you see happening, you know, in, what, what Paul Trokel does in his ministry uh, internationally, we do locally. He equips people to do ministry internationally. 
We equip people to do ministry locally. Same type of ministry, just different, different, different way it's being played out. So you see, same, it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. Just because God's called us to equip locally doesn't mean we ought to jump in and do what Paul Trokel does. But maybe we can support him. And maybe if there's some one of you that senses a call in that direction, you might be drawn to serve under his ministry or something. Maybe the Lord will equip you and it'll, it'll bring a different facet to the ministry of, of Winner's Church. You understand? So there are lots of different gifts with the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. Uh, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the uh, Spirit uh, the utterance of wisdom. To another, to another, to another, <laughs> to another, <laughs> the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, by, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Amen. So, um, so we see uh, that, uh, again, uh, the uh, different uh, ministries and gifts. So um, uh, I think we're getting, we're getting too far along here. And I know we've got a few more minutes, but if I try to expound on this, uh, I'm going to keep you late, and I'm trying not to do that. I, I really do, though, want to be, uh, I really want to entertain the Spirit here, and I want to be obedient to the Lord. You know what, you know what I want us to take a minute to do here? Uh, since, we, since, we talk, since we talked about how, um, you know, being, being that we've talked about associations, and we talked about how radical uh, it can seem to us when the Spirit leads us in certain ways. How many of you would at the very least be willing to pray and ask the Lord uh, that if he, if he has to change, if there's a need for there to be a change of direction in your life, that, you, that he would help you to be willing to facilitate that change? Amen. You know... I, I have found over the years that as I've followed the Lord, it has it has meant that I have had to constantly be changing to facilitate what I what I hear him saying. Okay. And one of the one of the things that I told y'all recently and and uh is that I sense that the Lord is leading us back to a place where, um, where, where we're not doing as much training, where I'm not doing as much teaching like this and training like this, um, but more uh, going back to doing some of the things that seem like happened in the ministry earlier. It's not going to be the same. It'll be different, but, but um, I feel like we're supposed to lead people into an encounter with God. That's a big part of the ministry in the beginning was leading people into an encounter with the Spirit. 
not explaining it to them, not teaching them about it, not encouraging them to lead others in that way, not, not, not encouraging them to discover their gift, their grace, their call, just simply turning loose on them, saying, hey, do you want to, do you want to know what this is about? You know, boom. And, and the Spirit of God Im- impacting their lives. Um, miracles and demonstrations of the power of God's Spirit. So, what I don't think most of us realize is that when God, sh- when God shifts those things, it means that it impacts our personal lives. A fellow named Robert Johnson, and I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll just give this testimony for the end of this, because this, this really is, is about the gifts and ministries of the Spirit here. Robert Johnson, he, he's, he pastored a church in Blackwell. Um, I, I ministered there. We had a revival breakout there uh, back in the early 2000s, and we were there for 30 weeks of revival. I mean, God poured out his spirit in a big way. Um, while I was there with him, Brother Johnson was probably, you know, late 60s, early 70s, probably early, you know, 70s when we, when we met him, six, late 60s, early 70s. And he told me when, when revival started happening, he was like, I prayed for this for 35 years. I've been praying for God to do this. And he said, it's happening. He told his whole church that. But in private, he was talking to me and he said, he said, maybe you have some, you know, here, here I am. I'm much younger than him. He's seen so much more in ministry than I have. At, at the time that I went to his church, he was the missions director for the organization that we belong to, which is the Independent Assemblies. And he, he was pastoring that church, um, but most of what he was doing was in missions. And in the mission field, he was training up ministers like Paul Trokel does. He was training up, he, was, he had Bible schools and he was training up people to go into the ministry. And he's, he told me, he said, maybe you can help me with this. He said, uh, he said, but he went, he said, when I first took my first trip on the mission field, I can't remember if it was in the Philippines or where it was. He said, I was in a crusade and there was a man that came forward that needed prayer, a boy that came forward, needed prayer. This boy was born blind, didn't have any color in his eyes, no pupils, no nothing. His eyes were just milky white and he couldn't see nothing. He said, something on the inside of me told me to just, to do this way in front of his face, to do like this. I said, what do you reckon that was? He said, well, I was hoping you would tell me. I said, well, don't you think it was the Holy Spirit? Don't you think it was the Spirit that told you to do that? He said, well, that's, that's he says, that's what I've imagined all this time, that it was the, the Holy Spirit. He said, but what happened was, he says, as I would do that, <clears throat> he said, this happened on more than one occasion. He said, I do that way. And he said, all of a sudden, whirlpools would form in the people's eyes. And color would come into their eyes. And they would get eye color and, and they would get an iris and a pupil. And they would get a lens and they would be healed of their blindness. Okay. He said it was a miracle. He said it would happen in about, he said it'd only take about 60 seconds before these people would get a miracle. He said, it's the most amazing thing I ever saw. He said, it happened more. He said, it happened on several occasions. He said, still one of the most powerful things, he said, I think I've ever seen the Lord do. He said, and he said, Brother Ziggy, I saw miracle after miracle after miracle 
in those days. I, he said, I would, I would wave my hand at crowds of people and there would be numerous, multiple miracles break out uh, in mass out there on the mission field like that. He said, and then the Lord, told, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I need for you to, to build a Bible school here. And this is what it's going to take. He told, me, he told me in detail. And this is what it's going to take. He said, yes, Lord. He was, he was obedient. As he began to build that Bible school, we're talking about associations, right? We're talking about the gifts and ministries of the Spirit. We're talking about associations. He said, when I began to build that Bible school, he said the miracles started to wane. You know, y'all know what that means, right? Wane. It means <clears throat> miracles became less and less frequent. That demonstration that he had seen happen, it grew weaker and weaker and became less and less the more he poured himself into what he felt like the Lord told him to do with the Bible school. So he's in prayer and he says, Lord, why? Why is it that the miracles have stopped? Why is it that this, is ha this has happened? And the Lord told him, because I need you over here doing this. I need you over here being obedient to me, doing what I told you to do in this Bible school. <clears throat> he said, Brother Ziggy, he said, I didn't pray any different. I didn't live any different. I didn't believe any different. He said, I, didn't, I, I laid hands on people still. He said, but eventually it quit altogether. It just quit. And he said, it hadn't been till this revival that we've seen, that I've seen happen in a measure he says, in a greater measure, what I saw happening in my life during that time. He said, so I'm grateful to God. He said, whether the Lord ever uses me again like that or not, I'm grateful to God that he showed up at my church in the way that he did. He said, but I want to know this. Why did that happen? Do you know? Do you know why that happened? Someone getting jewels or... Is it Candy Crush or something? <laughs> I don't know what the sound is. But anyway, um, he asked me, he said, do you know why that happened? Do, do any of you know why that happened? You know, Brandon, he's... Been in, he's in the military, got promoted recently. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> he uh, also plays the tuba in, a, in the band in the military. Now, say that his position were to change dramatically and so dramatically that he had to apply himself in another area of service to this country than what he is doing now. And the only thing that in the minds of his superiors, are y'all, I feel like y'all are getting more and more tired on these Wednesdays every, every time we go, you know, <laughs> do, I, do I turn up the heat, turn it down? Do, what do we need to do here? Do we need to get some electricity under your chairs? <laughs> push, push a button. <laughs> oh, it's happening. It's working. Glory. Um, I'm almost done. Anyway, if but if but but say that the tuba playing became less important to those that were 
in charge. And they said, you know what? Instead of spending X amount of time doing that, we're going to reduce your time doing that. Because you've got to apply yourself over here. How many, you know, I used to be, I used to be a big time gamer. I'm not much of a gamer anymore because I ran out of time. Oh, yeah. Michael used to be on roofs, hammering nails into shingles. When's the last time you were on a roof actually hammering nails into shingles? Five or six years. It's not that that doesn't need to be done. It's just not his responsibility anymore. And he can't get up on roofs and do that no more. He don't have the time to devote to that no more because his assignment changed. What he's associated with now is different. So that's what happened to Brother Johnson. That's what happened to Brother Johnson. So he devoted himself to something different because that's what the Lord told him to do. Now you say... Pastor, why, why are you telling us this? Well, because the Lord is telling me that I'm about to have to devote myself to something different than what I've been devoted to. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not about to resign as the pastor of this church. Don't, don't, get, don't get nervous because some people are like, oh, what, do you, what does that mean? Well, here's, here's what it'll mean. It'll mean that there are some things, and I don't know if, I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, but that whole thing of getting words of prophecy for people is becoming less and less all the time. And it's, it's not happening as much as it did at one time. And there's nothing I can do about it. I don't, have the, I don't have the switch to flip. It's not my switch to flip. It's the, these are the things that are in the hands of the Lord. But as those things shift, then it will require me to devote myself to whatever it is that the Lord wants me to devote myself to. Now, here's the thing. Here's why it's important that you embrace what God is saying to us as a church. Because if I'm shifting, you're shifting. Oh, yeah. that, that's why y'all are unsettled. Y'all aren't unsettled because, because things are bad. Y'all are unsettled because things are shifting. Some of you are becoming aware that things cannot remain the same in your life. Your associations can't be the same. The things that you've been listening to can't be the same. In fact, some of you are like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I feel so discontent and, and I'm, I'm pressing in. It's like, I'm so dissatisfied. And you know what? We get the word of God here. We, we got, we have one of the best praise bands. I think for a church our size, we got one of the best praise bands there is. It's not that there's not an opportunity to praise and to worship, to get into the presence of God. We have all that, but there's a, there's a greater longing in our hearts for something more because God's trying to move us off of where we've been to something else. And so he's putting a, he's putting a draw in us. We're, be, we're being drawn toward the miraculous. We're being drawn toward the supernatural. Some, Twilight, me and Twilight were talking. She's like, man, I, I want to see. Uh, she was talking about Joan Hunter, Charles and Francis Hunter's daughter. And she was giving, I guess she was giving testimonies about angels. Twilight was like, I want to be in one of them meetings with angels. There's a reason why she wants to be in them kind of meetings. Because that's the Lord's drawing us to those things, to the supernatural. That's, that's what God wants to do through our, through our lives in these last days. 
Well, guess what? That means all the deadheads that have tried to discourage you believing the supernatural are in your life are either going to have to be confronted or associations are going to have to change. I had a conversation with my dad. I'll tell you what it was about. It was about Ted. It was about Ted and Ted, you know, I've been, I've been pestering Ted and I know he, he don't like it, but oh well, I'd rather have, I'd rather be pestering Ted and him not like it and him be alive than him not be here to pester. And so I've been trying to encourage Ted in the area of his health to look after himself because I don't want him to die an early death. Now, Ted's not, a, don't go to Ted and be like, Ted, is everything all right? Well, you could tell everything ain't completely all right, but it can be. There's no reason why Ted ought to be slowing down. He's only 65 years old. 63. I got him two years more. 62. It just gets worser and worser. 62-year-olds shouldn't be hobbling around like Ted. But you know what? The enemy is attacking his body. Got a bad knee. Then the enemy attack him with uh, blood pressure and diabetes. So he goes in and says, Doc, fix my knee. They can fix your knee now. He's like, I'm trusting the Lord. All right, trust the Lord and then schedule an appointment. Let's see who gets it done first. That's my, that's my idea. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my faith with yours, but Ted, right now, you, you barely make it from your chair to the bathroom before you, you know, about peeing yourself. So something needs to change. And if your faith doesn't produce it, well, then let's, let's, let's get the doctors in there, let them do what they do, and then we'll believe God for a restoration of, of what they couldn't do. You know what I mean? Get you, at least get you walking right. I hope it's okay for me to talk about now, so here's the deal. I started talking to my dad. My dad said, yeah, you know, I've never seen no miracles. And, and, you know, he needs to be, them doctors, that's why them doctors are here. Because those doctors, you know, that's what they're here for. And we need to, you know, you need to tell those people at that church that, you know, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you're going to die if you don't go to the doctor. I was like, I said, here's, here's the deal, Pop. Um... I said, you met Carolyn, right? You know, you remember Carolyn? He's, yeah, that, that little black girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, little black girl. The short one. I said, Pop, she's supposed to be dead. That's what do you mean you never saw a miracle? You see one every time you show up at church. That's she was the first one to hug your waist. That's <laughs> Go ahead, I said, you ever seen the kids, baby? The, the little boy, little Emery. Oh, yeah, I see you. That kid was dead on the floor at our church. What do you mean you ain't never seen a miracle? I said, the thing is, is you're blind. That's what it is. That's what Jesus said about y'all that don't serve him. You're blind. You know what? It, that, that kind of language necessitated me to, to stand up. You know, there's a time when we, can, when we can just brush that off and be like, oh, it's okay. But then there comes a time when your faith and where God is taking you necessitates that you take a stand. Are y'all hearing me? That's where you're at. 
You know how I know you're there? Because that's where I'm at. And it don't always cause warm, buzzy, and numb, tingly feelings with people. It's been a long time since I've rebuked my dad. But it'll probably happen more often. Because I'm not going to let him talk about what I know God does and it affect where I'm going. That, it, that my association with him affect the anointing on my life. Not one day you're going to need a miracle and you know who you're going to call? You're going to call your doctor and your doctor's going to say there's nothing we can do. I said, who do you think took who who do you think when your wife was having a stroke got you in front of that hospital? You think she's here because you're so great? Wasn't nothing but God. And believe me, he didn't show up for you. Amen. Now, see, are those rough words, hard words? Yeah, it could be, but th that's what I'm trying to get across to you. So anyway, praise the Lord. Did that, has this helped anybody here today? Yes. Praise God. Uh, I, just, I just want you to realize what's coming. And um, you know what? Y'all may think I'm getting, y'all might think, uh, you can think whatever you want, but I'll tell you this. Some of you are going to think, I, you know, that your pastor's gotten strange. That's it's just one of those things that, that when, you, when you get out there and you start following the Spirit, you're, you're going you're gonna to look strange to somebody. Okay. Not to God, it's usually to people. And uh, you're going to think it's crazy. And, but, but when the Holy Spirit starts to show up and people start, lives start radically changing and miracles happen, you're going to be like, praise God. Okay. Amen. So let's, uh, let's, let's facilitate the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, we thank you, Father. Oh, You know, people get freaked out when we talk in tongues. They hadn't seen nothing yet. Well, if people get freaked out over tongues, they're really going to get freaked out. Uh, when they're up in here and the fire, God falls and we all go to shouting. Amen. We go to dragging people out of wheelchairs and off of cots and crutches. And, and uh, some people say, oh, I've never seen anything like that. Well, it says stick around. <laughs> it won't be long now. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, you just need to get to doing it. Amen. Because I, I heard the Spirit say that there are some that say, Lord, how do you want me to do this? He says, just get it done. <laughs> he says, you know what I hear the Lord say? Just get to stepping. Just get to step. I know that means, you know, to most people, leave. That's not, he's not telling you to, 
you know, necessarily leave out of here. He's just telling you to leave where you've been and get to where he's taking you. Amen. And so the man said, so Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you, Lord, for favor. I thank you, Father, that your people have uh, your will working in them uh, to deposit them in another place. Lord, to take them from where they are and to take them to another place. God, we're working with you. And so I know there are things, be things we have to do. And so may, may your people be obedient to you. May they respond to you. May they respond to your spirit uh, so they can function in the fullness of the calling and the anointing, Lord, that you placed upon them in the name of Jesus. We appreciate you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, next week be my final week on the anointing and how associations affect the anointing. So come, I'll preach my final message on that uh, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, it's not the last Wednesday, is it? No. Next Wednesday, I will talk. We'll talk about um, uh, the gifts of healing, the gift of the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. So next Wednesday, we're going to talk about those three gifts. Those are what we call the power gifts. So we're going to talk about the power gifts next week. And we kind of left off of those things when we started talking about the anointing. But the uh, reason why I, I kind of read that to you this week is we're going to get back on track because we're about to finish up on talking about uh, the things that we've been talking about concerning the anointing as a church. Uh, leadership, we will talk a little bit more about that and how it affects our leadership, and you'll be glad that we did. But um, Hilda and I have talked about it. We're going to talk about the six things that Benny Hinn had talked about with leadership. We're going to go over that, and it'll trickle down eventually uh, throughout the church. But anyhow, I love you. I appreciate you. God bless you. Go in his presence. Before you leave, love someone because you do. I'll see you all back here.